National House of Horrors. And welcome back to the International House of Horrors podcast, your sanctuary is spooky for all things terrible, horrible, brutal, bloody, gory, and the macabre. I am one of your curators here at the house, Joe Merle. And I'm the other one. I'm Josh. Hi, Joe. Hey, man. What's going on? Yeah, it's, it's going good. I'm excited that we're getting closer to the end of our list. Like it's, We are. It's, it's been we a are. long time, but uh, we, we, we got more and more uh, movies that we have seen. After um, today, we will only have two more rounds to go. Two more rounds to go before we complete <laughs> this 101 horror movies you should see before you die. Uh, but it has. It's been fun. And I've seen a lot of things along the way that I had not seen before, especially a lot of yeah, that same, early yeah. stuff. Um, the yeah. Haxon's the one that always sticks out to me. That really kind of blew my mind. I had no <laughs> idea they were making movies that were so fucked up that long ago. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that movie really was. There was some some imagery in there that is comparable to things that you see today in, you know, shock cinema. Stuff yeah. that people are like, oh, you got to see this one scene. They were doing that over 100 years ago, which it's just crazy <laughs> to think about, man. It's crazy. That is crazy. It, it really is. But, uh, yeah, I also like that this list gives a lot of, like, uh, foreign movies that I never even heard of that uh, we got to. Like, we, we're getting to one this week. We I think we had one last week. Like there's always these these foreign movies that you haven't heard of, and uh, then you check them out, and it's it's something crazy. Yeah, and yeah, it's been cool. It's been a lot of fun, and um, we're gonna continue on today. We're gonna continue yeah. on. We've got numbers seventy one through eighty, and I I do like to, or I would like to, just follow up and say that I talked to Will, and well, he had sent me a message for after last week's episode. He's like, oh, I was listening to you guys just now, and. I opened my mouth too soon. You got a Friday the 13th right after right after I had said that there were no Friday the 13th on these lists. And then you oh, guys show right. up with the, yeah, with the first Friday the 13th movie. So we thought that was <laughs> that was good that they at least included one on there. Um, yes. let's let's jump in, man. Let's do this thing uh, cuz these ones tend to run a little bit longer. We get all excited and start, you know, word vomiting yeah. all over how how but, happy but we are I about. Think, and this week there's a lot yeah, yeah, this is going to be fun. But I, I think uh, we're now in the final episodes of our podcast. I think we can go longer if we want to. Yeah, like why not? <laughs> no reason not to. Um, yeah. So number 71, number 71, and mine doesn't have a year on it. Was this 81 or 82? It, it was 81. I just looked okay, it Okay, it was yeah. 81. Okay, perfect. Um, my personal, one of my personal introductions to foreign horror this movie. I, I still remember the first time seeing it, and it is still one of my favorites when it comes to, I would say, all foreign horror. Uh, this is specific Italian horror, which we talked about when we got into, what was it, Deep Red. You know, the Italian horror at times, uh, the the plots tend to kind of all become this weird amalgam of just one <laughs> giant plot that it, it, yeah. it rarely makes a ton of sense. But this one, I feel, actually has a really good plot that you can kind of follow along. You get where it's going. And this is part of a pseudo trilogy. It's not really, I would say, a trilogy because they don't go hand it's in hand. It's a trilogy in heart. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like it's, there you go. We, we, we should say the, the movie is The Beyond. <laughs> yes, yes, and The Beyond. 
Yeah, but uh, it's it's uh, the same kind of trilogy as uh, like the Vengeance trilogy by uh, Chan Wook Park, like Old Boy, Lady sure. Vengeance, and yeah. uh, Mr. Vengeance. It's just yeah. like it's a theme that goes through all the movies. And uh, what's the name of the trilogy again? Uh, the, the, the Gates, Gates of, Hell? of Hell, the Gates yeah. of Hell trilogy. Yeah, because all I think these we have even to did, do. Yeah, we did a house by the cemetery, right? Was one I, I think we did uh, we did an episode on the Gates of Hell trilogy. Now that I think oh, about yeah. it, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, we that's did when I watched all, all the movies again and realized that I had seen them all, even though this is the one that I always forget I have seen. <laughs> it's, uh, it's this crazy. one, I feel, is the best of the three. As much as I like House by the Cemetery, this one. And what's the third one? It was House by the Cemetery, uh, The uh, Beyond, and... And, um, wait, 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 wait what's, the, what's the third one? <laughs> that's what I'm trying to think. I'm mentally going through... Falchi movies right now. Was it Zombie? As City of the Living Dead, right? City of the Living Dead, yeah. It wasn't Zombie. Yeah. City of the Living Dead. You're right. Uh, but The Beyond. The Beyond, to start things off, has one of my favorite movie scores of all time. It's, it's, Is it Goblin? I don't know. I don't think so, but you are probably right, because I feel like Goblin uh, did everything. Uh, it's not Goblin, no. I yeah. just looked him up. Yeah, it's Fabio Fritzi. Ah, that's right. That's right. Um, but it has this amazing score, and you get just some of the most, um, you know, most iconic Italian horror imagery in this thing. Fulci, even more than Argento, was just all about the gore. He was all about the gore yeah, and setting only up the gore. Yeah, setting up these these huge set pieces that'll drag on for five or six minutes, and you just get subjected to these these wild images. But the story itself, you have we open up in this old hotel in Louisiana, and we see this guy getting um, essentially uh, a mob comes, you know, torches and all this stuff, <laughs> and they show up. They kill him down in this cellar basement type area. Again, in a truly graphic way. They have hooks on chains and they're ripping yeah. chunks of his flesh off. And then we flash forward and Elsa, I think was her name, was Elsa Liza. Liza? Liza. Was Li Liza. And yeah. she ends up, I think, inheriting the place. She's trying to fix it up to get everything back open. And the rest of the movie is us figuring out that one of the gates of hell, the seven gates of hell, is in the basement of this place. And it starts to unleash all this evil across <laughs> Louisiana. Um, yeah, and it's it's just is the, is this the one where we get the the um, the maggots flying uh, in the room? Is that this one? I don't think this was the maggots. No, the big <sighs> stuff in this one you get the spiders, you get the dog attack, you get Joe down in the basement, the plumber. You remember he was yeah, down ah, there. Yeah. He he gets killed, and then he comes back like ah. He's all creepy. And then at the end, you get that whole huge... Oh, you also get the hospital sequence with the little girl. Who's, yeah. Who's, um, she sees the body, and then the, the thing falls over, and it's like melting the face away, and all that good <laughs> oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, right, where, where the woman is just laying on the floor. and like Yeah. The, the, yeah, okay, yeah. And then you have the whole uh, story piece with the blind girl, who then... Well, yeah, <sighs> she gets attacked by her dog. And then we yeah. get, at the end, all of the living dead have now kind of come back. And that's when Liza, and I can't remember his name, get sucked into the painting. And they both have the they both have the gross eyes now and are not <laughs> uh, trapped yeah. in, this, in this hellscape. I think this 100% deserves to be on the list. This is, you know, one of my favorite movies. It's one 
when I was younger, somehow I got a copy of this movie and I remember showing it to everyone. I was like, you got to see this, this crazy thing. I guarantee you've never heard of it. You got to watch this movie. It's nuts. And I've seen it many times since then. I probably watch it once a year. I'll throw it on if it ever pops up. I, I just love it. It just, it works on every level. It's one of those few Italian horrors where you do have a good story that you can follow easily. The other ones have a story, but sometimes it, it doesn't make any fucking sense till the very end. And then it's like, oh, yeah. it revealed it was actually him the whole time, and he got abused yeah. by his mother, and and all of these things. But, but the end is great, man. We gotta say, with uh, when when we just talked about all the the things that happen, that's basically our plot synopsis because that's what <laughs> right. happens. Like there, even though there is a story, you can follow this one. That's true. There, there's there's other ones even in this trilogy where you don't really know what's going on for the most of the movie, yeah. even up until the end. But um, with uh, uh, it's it's still it's a very simple story. This is all about the gore. This is like Fulci was a special effects guy. Basically, he just wanted to make uh, set pieces. And isn't isn't it that they kind of wrote the movie as they shot it? Wasn't this with this one as well? Wasn't this with all of these Fulci movies that he? Yeah, I'm not sure, but it it would make sense. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Watching it, it would make sense. It's almost like, hey, I want to do this scene where a person gets eaten alive by spiders. Let's build a story around that. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. But it's it's um, a great movie. If you've never seen it, it man, watch it. It is. And uh, me saying that I uh, that I always forget this movie, that I have seen this movie, is just because I watch all the Ita watched all the Italian movies like in basically one sitting. And so they, and they, they are all pretty much the same. Like all different set pieces, but it's always like kind of set piece after set piece and lots of gore yeah and so for me they all kind of run together and uh, this is a great movie and i think when we talked about it uh on the other episode i said as well that i really like this and this is one you can go back uh, and watch it with friends i think those are the movies those italian movies are perfect for like a movie night where you sit down with a group of friends have a few beers and just laugh at uh, laugh and have a good time yeah yeah i would agree so the Beyond, definitely watch it for sure. If you want to hear us talk super in depth about all these, like Josh said, we did a whole episode about the Gates of Hell trilogy. You can go back and listen to that one. It was a ton of fun. Um, yeah. So moving on to number seventy-two, and this one is eighty-two, correct? Even though this yes. is, yeah, this one's different. <laughs> I was, I was ninety-nine percent certain this came out in nineteen eighty-two, uh, and that is Poltergeist. Poltergeist. One that Phil and I talked about recently, there was, I was watching this thing on Shudder called Cursed Films, and it was a little yeah. five episode, um, kind of real short docuseries about movies that are essentially cursed. And they did The Omen, they did Poltergeist, uh, the ones I haven't watched yet, they did The Crow, and there was one other one, but I can't remember what it and was. By, by saying cursed, you're not talking about the movies where the like there's a curse in the movie but there's a curse on the franchise right like right. with this with poltergeist the whole franchise like everyone kept dying in uh after yeah there was all movies. kinds of all kinds of bad things that happened around the production and yeah. that's what that's what they mean by curse and poltergeist had quite a few of them like you said people dying um especially uh what was her what is her name damn i feel um, bad that i can't remember heather o'rourke yeah, uh, the fact that she died so young, she didn't end up passing away until Poltergeist three, but she was still 12, 13 years old. You know, way too young, way too young. But Poltergeist, yeah. directed by Toby Hooper, even though a lot of people say it was really directed by Spielberg, 
um, because he was, I want to say, you know, across the street or something like that, shooting ET or doing yeah, things he, with ET at the same time. I, I think not too long ago there was like a, a leaked footage of back then uh, where you could see that Steven Spielberg was there, basically directing the movie in parts. Yeah, and you got to say like it's, it's written by Spielberg, it's uh, produced by Steel, Spielberg, and you can feel the the Spielberg touch the whole sure. family. Sure family-friendly horror kind of uh, thing. Yeah, even um, though this one, it, it's family-friendly, but this is still a really yeah, effective yeah. horror movie. Like, there's elements of this movie that still get under my skin, especially the, or I should say specifically that clown is still just, <laughs> I mean, it's it's nightmare fuel, man. That clown is, yeah. is truly, and, truly creepy. And that's not even like... Uh, meant to be creepy like well it is meant to be creepy but in the end it's not uh, like the Annabelle doll where it's already like a creepy doll but it's supposed to be a clown that this little boy has as a toy <laughs> right yeah who ends up grabbing him pulling him under the bed and all this stuff uh, but Poltergeist why I think it's important to be on this list one it's a great horror movie it really is a great yeah. horror movie but on the other side of that coin Poltergeist and there could be stuff before this that I'm I'm unaware of, you know, my limited knowledge of of horror movies. But for me, this is always the first time that they brought horror into suburbia. You didn't really have horror always took place, you know, remotely. It was always an isolated thing. This you had a bunch of friendly people who all lived on this street together. They were out, you know, cutting their yards and doing things like that. And we didn't see horror was always in a castle or in the woods or it was one haunted house at night. Yeah, a lot of this the stuff. The house on the haunted hill, like somewhere far yeah, out, there's like, like this yeah. one haunted house that no one goes to. But yeah, this is just a normal house that they that they that they bought. They got it cheap. They moved in, and it turned out to be yeah. a, a, a creepy house. Why um, did they did they buy it, or was he there because of the development? I thought no, they I, were. I, I think they got it really cheap. Rotten. Wait. No, he was because he was the developer. He was the oh. developer, and remember the whole thing with Poltergeist is he didn't know that yeah. they didn't move the graves. They were yeah. building. They were building this whole new community on these, on these graves of all of these people, and that's where the the evil entity came from. Because it was yeah, like, hey, true. fuck you! Because he screams at him at the end. He's like, you moved the graveyard, but you didn't move the graves. You didn't move the bodies. <laughs> and then we get all the bodies coming up through the the pool. You know, you get all the skeletons <laughs> that end up end up showing up at the end. Where it's still said that those were real uh, real uh, corpses that they got somewhere. Uh, yeah. And they, they did address that in the documentary that I watched, that little episode of that docuseries. They said, you know, this isn't the first time that that was done because it was it was easier to get your hands on or I was should say more cost effective if you could get real skeletons. He's like, people use real skeletons all the time. You use them in classrooms. Um, they had been used in movies before this had been done. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, I think it was it was almost all real skeletons because to actually manufacture a fake skeleton was expensive, you know, yeah. to make to make all of those pieces and then to put those all together was not was not cheap. But yeah, I don't think his house was. I don't think he got it on a deal. I think he was there because of the development. Uh, it why his well, family? Yeah. Why there, his there's family so many there. haunted house movies that I'm kind of <laughs> throwing yeah. them uh, around. See, we, but they, we, to your point, that plot happens so much. We got the house really cheap, and all our money's invested yeah. in it, so we can't move out now that it's really haunted and scary. <laughs> yeah, we got to say this is also like 
the the biggest movie role of uh, Zelda Rubenstein, I think, like, like the the biggest movie. Like she had bigger roles where we, she was like like in uh, that Anguish movie. That was awesome. <laughs> that movie yeah, was that awesome. Is awesome. Yeah, but uh, she uh, uh, it's she is uh, th this is her biggest movie. Like uh, everyone remembers her. She's she's kind of creepy, but also like she is the one that helps them in the end. Like she's the the good guy in this. Yeah, she's a um, medium, a psychic medium who comes and it, in and figures is out. Is this the first time we we get the the medium plot, like where there there is a psychic medium coming in and helping, or like then later in Paranormal Activity not helping with like well, ghosts in the house? Um, I don't. Yeah, we've seen stuff like that before because even in was it Deep Red. She was there. Was a psychic that was helping along the way. Yeah, we we had psychics before, but I mean, in like the case right, of like we right. have a haunted house, we're getting someone to come in and uh, and help us in this kind of way. Yeah, I would say it's one of the biggest, maybe not the yeah. first, but one of the biggest yeah. for sure. We have somebody um, in kind of exercising the house and not exercising the person. Where you bring yeah, these true, people yeah. in? Because even you know, Hell House. I know the one woman was a. Was it the woman was a psychic or the man was a psychic? But it was they were brought in more just to experience and perpetuate the psychic phenomena happening, not so much getting rid of it. Whereas in this, you're right, Zelda Rubenstein is just there to help the family more than anything else, try and get yeah. rid of these these evil spirits. And some really cool imagery all throughout yeah. this movie. Like some some great stuff. The big scary tree, I always thought that was great. The scene in the the bathroom is super creepy. With the uh, in the mirror, where, where the the skin falls off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much the, good in the first Poltergeist, and you get yeah. some. The the one thing I will say, you might find this kind of. Uh, I I think I might have told this to you and Micah about the them making a plaster mask of somebody who had died for the second Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. for the the creepy preacher. They they ended up making a mask on his dead body. I'm like, that's kind of fucked up, you guys. <laughs> This guy's dead, and you're using his body to make a mask so you can make a sequel to a movie. That's, uh, that's pretty <laughs> fucked up. But yeah, it, Poltergeist it is. is it's a great movie, great movie. Yeah, it, it really is. And they they were all. Uh, and what what we gotta add is this is like kid friendly horror in that like even like spoiler alert, no one dies in this movie other than the the corpses that are already dead that are shown. But like, there's none of the characters die. We have some. I think that's uh, that's one of the best moments of this movie is when they are having fun with the ghostly <laughs> apparitions when they are like sliding down the floor. Yeah, uh, where where they put a little girl down and she's just like sliding down Scooting the, the floor and having fun. And um, also that that whole uh, one, one shot where she's like uh, taking something out of uh, no, she she put a, a chair down, moves towards the kitchen, moves back, and the chairs are all stacked. And they did that yeah. in one shot. Like they, yeah, they did some trickery cool. in this as well, and it's just a great movie. Like everyone should uh, see it, and I think everyone has seen it, right? Like I would think so. It's one of those, like you said, you can watch it with almost anybody. You know, yeah. even with with smaller kids, not too young, but it's a good introduction to to a horror movie. You know, yeah, for, a, exactly. for a younger audience. Yeah, for this sure. This is how you get your how, how you get your children into horror, right? <laughs> Also, don't watch the 2015 one. That's not good. No, it was not very good at all. Even though it, I like Sam Rockwell, but yeah, it just didn't work. All right. So moving on. 
The next one is new to me, and I think it was new to you as well. Yes. Uh, from 1983, and this one, The Hunger. We'll just say the title right now, The Hunger. Yeah. I was not very impressed with this movie. It it looked uh, it looked really good. It was a bit dark, but it looked really good, and um, it had some some interesting ideas. There there was some there was much interesting about it, but uh, like we wrote about it before, like especially the middle part is pointless, boring. It's it's <laughs> pointless. pointless and boring. Yeah. And after I'd watched it, I started doing a little bit of digging. Like, why is this on this list? Like, why is this movie here? And from what I understand, it at the time it came out, it got panned by critics. Nobody really enjoyed it. They were all like, yeah, this is kind of silly and stupid. But it became a staple of the goth subgenre or kind of like oh. a counterculture. It developed a cult following in, in the goth scene. And I get that. I get why it, they would attach to that, why a segment of people might attach to this movie. It stars David Bowie and Susan Sarandon, probably your two biggest names in there. I wasn't really familiar with the woman who played the lead vampire. I, I, um, I didn't recognize well, her. Uh, well, uh, it's Ka Catherine Deneuve. Uh, she uh, was the lead in... Um, uh, what's it called again? Uh, now I can only... Uh, Repulsion. Oh, she's the, okay, yeah. She's just a, a few years older. <laughs> right. I didn't even recognize her. But now that you say yeah. that, yeah. Um, which was a better movie in almost every way. But this movie... <laughs> so you've got... We, we open up on a weird kind of techno goth scene, like a disco techno kind of goth scene. And we learn quickly that this this woman that we've been following and David Bowie are vampires of sorts. Yeah. But really, as the movie goes on, she's the only true vampire from the way I took it anyway. She's the only one that's truly immortal. Yeah, and David Bowie is just like kind of weird. <laughs> he, he's almost her familiar in a way. Like somebody yeah, maybe who just something like yeah that. somebody who spends this time and she tells him we learn very quickly like oh you're gonna live forever you're gonna live forever and he starts to deteriorate quickly and on the other side of that we have Susan Sarandon as a scientist doing all of these studies on the effects of sleep I think it was on longevity yeah. is what yeah. I took away from it and David Bowie starts to deteriorate at an extremely rapid rate. I mean, he he's aging like years and minutes, and yeah, when, see, when he just has to wait like an hour maybe, and suddenly he's like forty years older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's waiting in this lobby trying to help get somebody to help him. The the one and you know we can spoil this thing because I don't even know that I would recommend people run out and watch this, but the one plot uh, plot piece that I enjoyed was they have eternal life. But the majority of it, after they deteriorate almost to nothing, is just spent in an eternal death for most parts. <laughs> she puts all of her old familiars in these coffins, and they just have to sit there, not dead, but not alive, somewhere really weird in between. I thought that was cool. I was like, that's kind of a yeah. neat idea. The problem I had with this movie is the whole plot is useless. It, you the The plot seemed only there to get these two women together later on in the story. 
Yeah. Like the plot never, it never had any depth. And we never went back to the plot. After we get to the third act, the rest of the plot, you never revisit anything. You get some <laughs> of the characters come back, they die, and that's it. I did enjoy the ending. I thought the ending was kind of cool. Kind of a, yeah. a, a reversing the roles in a way. Um, and everything I read, most people talking about this in reviews and critical uh, analysis and things like that said the big moment in this is that seduction scene was so well done. They're like, <laughs> it really was a, a very well done seduction scene. And I would agree that it was. But as a whole, I don't know why this movie's on this list. Because yeah, I, well, I would never put it on a list of movies you have to see before you die. Yeah, well, maybe it is because it got this big uh, golf following and they, they said like this, this was a big part of a whole uh, uh, a scene. So maybe they put it in there. I also, I'm, I said it a few times before, I think they are just big fans of vampire movies and try to put in as many different vampire movies as possible. And to be honest, I gotta say, even though I'm a big horror fan, for me, vampires, for the most part, like I knew there were a few exceptions, but mostly when I think of vampire movies, I think of Dracula. And this book is kind of showing like there's there's many vampire movies that have nothing to do with Dracula. They are really just like basically the the core idea of the vampire is the same, but they changed everything else. Yeah, and that, that's kind of interesting. Um, I feel this is. Uh, uh, also like an art movie uh, kind of like in this in in this way i i'm still not a fan that they started the movie with the song bela lugosi's dead just like yeah. uh i don't know it's kind of uh <laughs> like a, it was like a fuck you to the vampire culture like people yeah. who like traditional vampire movies so and so i know you this... thought you like Dracula well fuck you <laughs> right and and this movie or this list does stop early like 2004 2006 something like that mm -hmm. because there's so many movies I would put in just thinking of vampire movies that I would put in instead of this even stuff before this I would have put Near Dark I would have put The Lost Boys in there I think The Lost Boys is a superior movie in almost every way uh, more modern movies Let Me In uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night The Transfiguration there's so many better vampire movies that yeah it's just a bummer, especially this era, like in the 80s. Near Dark, I think, is one of the most underappreciated vampire movies. It's like a vampire western. Um, and I think Catherine I haven't Bigelow, seen it. <laughs> uh, it was one of Catherine Bigelow. It might have been her first big production. Oh. Yeah, so, um, and for, you know, I don't know. I just think it's a better movie. <laughs> and I think The Lost Boys is a better movie because it's just a fun and you... You know, I, I kind of get it like, oh, we're looking at the, the seduction and things like that. What was that other one we just watched with the lesbian vampires? Uh, uh, yeah, you watched it. I, I couldn't. But, oh, that's right. Uh, you couldn't, I couldn't find, find it. it. I had to watch it. Uh, Daughters of Darkness. Daughters of Darkness. Yeah, which was another one. These, these are very similar. They're so close. And my thought would be, if you're going to make a list like this, try to get as many different things as possible as you can on there yeah. to really give someone a broad you know, spectrum of different styles of, of horror and things like that. So would I recommend this? Probably not. I would say don't even, don't even pursue it. Maybe I, I have one uh, idea. Um, this list is edited, uh, by Steven Schreiber, who also did like the, uh, the thousand and one horror movies book you have to see before you die. So maybe the problem is that this list wasn't curated by a horror fan, but by yeah, a movie fan right. who then maybe goes like, 
okay, yeah, there, there are many great horror movies, but how about we put like The Hunger in there, which is more of a romance to get more people. Sure. And maybe that's the kind of way uh, they, they thought about it. Um, but see, that's if, I, if I'm getting recommendations for places to get a cheeseburger, I want it from someone who fucking loves cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want it from someone who just, well, I, I like all kinds of different meals. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe I'll ask you somewhere to go. But if I want just a good cheeseburger, I want the cheeseburger guy to tell me where to go. Yeah. And, and so if I want a horror movie list, I want a fucking diehard horror fan <laughs> to tell me to tell me like, hey, this is what you should probably watch. Yeah, but that, that's did. why we're doing this podcast because we are diehard horror fans and we're recommending movies like every day. <laughs> that's right, all the time. Um, yeah. So we'll move on to the next one, which I think uh, this is one that I would put on any list of yeah. of horror movies. This is almost a give me from nineteen. I shouldn't even say almost. It is a give me. It's one that yeah. it has to be on the list from nineteen eighty four or yeah eighty four. Yeah. Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Ding ding ding. Ding, ding. Uh, the <laughs> genre-defining movie. I mean, or not even defining, genre-changing. Yeah. It, it truly changed how we approach horror and brought us something truly unique. This had never been, never been done before. Uh, you know, a, a killer that can get you in your dreams. And <laughs> the beauty of that, when you really think about that, a killer that can get you in your dreams is that everybody dreams and everybody yeah. has to sleep. You're never safe from Freddy Krueger. There, yeah, there's no that, way to ever be safe. And that that's what they like that that's basically the plot of all the of all the movies. Is it really there's no way to escape him. You have to try and fight him. And why he's so relatable because everyone had nightmares before. And uh, I I bet everyone had at least one time a nightmare where there was some guy just following them. Or like being like some pursued, creepy dude. Yeah, pursued in some way. Yeah, and uh, that's why this works so well. It's because, the, yeah, it's it's just uh, Freddy is that, that nightmarish monster. And I also like this, in this one, he's not as funny, but he's still kind of joking. Like that that's so great because Robert England has fun in this movie. Yeah. Like he's, he's his character is having a blast killing these kids and uh i think we we didn't have that before in the in the uh in the horror genre at least not in this way where he's like actually like just an evil dude but taunting his victims like usually maybe billy in uh in black christmas is kind of taunting his, his victims sure but he's he's not um not right to their face, like he's calling them, and like, but you don't see him like with a, with a smile on his face when he kills the people. You do get and a little bit in Chainsaw, the dinner scene. They're kind of having fun with her. You remember the hitchhiker? Oh, yeah. Like, ooh, I remember you. You were real busy. You had somewhere to go. Um, when he's that, like, that's true. But but this in a different like way. You, right, right, right. That was very in your face and. Um, you know the 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 POV angle, whereas in this you've got Freddy where he's like, "Hey, watch this!" and fuck cuts off his fingers and they're spraying blood, and then he's like, "Ah!" and he's got all his fingers back. Yeah, you know it is it is very different. 
and he's killing them off one at a time. And you've got all of these very unique kills throughout this movie. I mean, yeah. Wes Craven did some amazing, amazing <laughs> effects work in this thing. Actually, I shouldn't say him, but his ideas, whoever did the effects work, did a, a phenomenal job. And this movie just took off. I mean, for, for years, everyone said, you know, um, Freddie built New Line Cinemas. Like, New Line was the house that Freddie built. Without yeah. the success of this movie, Bob Shea and those guys putting everything they had into this one venture and saying, let's just, this is it. We got to get it right this one time around. And it spawned one of the most successful horror franchises of all time. Where yeah. it's everywhere. I mean, Shane has got a coffee mug that I bought her not long ago. Freddie fucked Krueger on it. You can get, I've got a talking doll over in the corner that a friend of mine founded an antique shop, this talking Freddy, where you pull the string on the back and it's like, Hey, no running in the hallways. And it says on there for ages, like eight, eight to 12 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like Freddy, everybody knew who Freddy was. Everyone knew who Freddy Krueger was, but this first movie, they get progressively more ridiculous as the movies go on. But this first one is still just such a solid horror flick. Heather Langenkamp completely sells that girl next door. She yeah. she she's got it. I love the you know kind of Home Alone setting up the traps <laughs> sequence yeah. that you get near the end of that thing. The the sledgehammer on a tripwire stuff <laughs> That's like that. So great. We're introducing Johnny Depp in this movie. Like oh, this yeah. is the first movie by Johnny Depp, and he he's good in it. Oh, he's great um, in it. Yeah, so this movie is just, this is one of the reasons why I'm still saying that maybe Wes Craven was just the most influential director in horror history because in every decade, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, he made a, did he do one in the 2000s? Like a genre-changing movie or genre-defining. Remember we looked last time around, but we couldn't find anything that was, he'd only done like one thing, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything huge. But you're right. But, Up until that point, he was constantly reinventing himself. He didn't stick to just to just one yeah. thing. He was but finding, reinventing can, in horror. That's right, also reinventing something in like, horror. Often, like we got Sam Raimi, who reinvented himself by going more mainstream and doing like different movies. And yeah, Wes Craven, like his his movies feel different in in so many ways. Yeah, and all of it feels yeah, different. With, Especially with Nightmare on Elm Street and then uh, 12 years later with uh, Scream, he just changed horror history. Like, he changed horror movies and made them different. Yeah, yeah. He puts his stamp on it and everything changes. And if you ever hear him interviewed, I love hearing interviews with Wes because he was so well articulated. He was a very smart man. I think he was a college professor who got into making movies. That would not surprise me. I don't know that for sure, but that would not surprise me because he was just so well-spoken and everything was well thought out. He really, and he gave time to develop these characters to where you would you would like them and you would appreciate them. He was just, in the same way you think like John Hughes had this ability to tap into the youth, I feel like Wes Craven could do the same thing. He could tap yeah. into the youth and make everybody very believable. Did you find it? So. Yeah, he uh, he briefly taught English at West- Westminster College and was a humanities professor at Clarkson College. No wonder he so, was so well-spoken. Taught yeah. English. <laughs> but yeah, and, Wes wow, Craven, he was, man, he was amazing. He and was I'm, born in 39. Like, I, I mean, I knew he was uh, um, a bit older, but yeah, he was born in 40, 39. So we, he would have been uh, 70, no, 80. No, 80. He would have turned 80 last year. But of course, he died in 2015, sadly. I know. That was a sad day. Yeah. That was a really sad day. 
Um, but yes, yeah, so a nightmare on Elm Street, hundred percent deserves to be here. Uh, let's move For on sure. to number number seventy five. Um, <laughs> man, this fucking movie. I love this movie. Deserves uh, to be on the list as well. <laughs> yes, from nineteen eighty five, the. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft, based on H.P. Lovecraft, directed by Stuart Gordon, uh, Reanimator. Reanimator. Yeah, with the great Jeffrey Coombs. Yes, Jeffrey Combs and uh, was Barbara. Um, was it Barbara? Cranston? Barbara Crampton. Crampton. Yeah. yeah. She uh, she worked with him all the time. They worked together in Castle Freak. She was kind of his lady that he always brought in to be <laughs> in these different movies. But the star of this thing is Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey yeah, Combs he's... is just. Is and this is you know I guess kind of Lovecraft's take on the Frankenstein story. I, I mean, really, in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, and um, what really surprised me because like I I read a bit of Lovecraft and I I think there's many people who know when when we talk about Lovecraft you think about like Cthulhu you think about these gr- giant monsters and beings. But I was really surprised because I had seen the movie and then read the book. Usually when you get a movie based on Lovecraft, it's loosely based on it. Like yeah. there's the same idea in there or something. This movie is actually pretty close to the book, which really surprised me because, yeah, Lovecraft, uh, yeah, it's it's just a, a character who invents a, a serum that brings uh, dead people back to life. Yes. And they behave kind of differently uh, once they're back. As always and, happens when you bring things back from the dead. There's always, yeah. you know, it's something about the soul missing or something like that. And the first thing they bring back is the cat, right? And then uh, the cat on the yeah. table is like, when you get this great <laughs> animatronic cat that's going back and forth, kind of, uh, you know, it's like smushed. It got ran over by a car or something. It's got like tire tracks on it or some shit. And it's still just like, on this, yeah, isn't, uh, it, isn't it the cat of the girlfriend, like yeah. of Barbara Crampton? And and they even say like they killed my cat or something like that, isn't there? Yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but Reanimator is just it's fun horror. Yeah, it, it's it's a fun ride. It's like getting on a roller coaster, and because nothing in it is really scary, I wouldn't say anything about Reanimator is scary. But you have so much fun the entire time. And you wouldn't have, I don't think it would be as good as it is without Jeffrey Combs. Because he sells that quirky weirdo, you know, as he's trying to hide things from everyone and he's panicking (laughs) and and having these moments. It's kind of like Dead Alive, where you just have such, yeah, you just have such a fun time and you have all these cool effects throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And it's, and the, the cool effects really sell it. Like there's the, even even his picture on IMDb is his head in a bag because like there's this guy who died and they like injected him so his his head like the the head works and the body works as well but independently from each other <laughs> right it's it's great and they uh yeah and it's it's really it's more comedy almost than horror but it's also so disturbing what's what's going on there that it's also clearly a horror movie like it's it's completely fucked up but yeah i i love it i got to watch it again the sequel uh, the bright of reanimator is also great and yeah yeah it's, it's not bad at all and it's it's still following the, uh, uh, the 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 book of Lovecraft because like he wrote so many like I think what's in the book is basically like just of little segments of what happened in the life of um, uh, uh, Herbert West. And I'm so trying they, to remember. I know I read it. I I bought the great big huge Lovecraft collection and I read a lot of them, but it's been a long time, so yeah. I don't remember a lot of the details. 
Yeah, not many, but I, I remember for sure that the, uh, the second movie starts with a scene that's actually very close to the beginning of the, of the book where uh, he's in, in war and someone uh, uh, is, is carried in uh, with a, who, who died and he injects him so he brings him back to life. Oh, uh, and I've got a, I have a reanimator board game that's a ton of fun. You gotta like <laughs> oh. go around, go around and get pieces of the collect serum pieces and things like that, and prevent all these things from taking over the city. It's a, it's a, it's a classic. It is a classic. There's so it's many wonderful. great horror board games, and we don't even get them over here in Germany. Like I, I actually I just jumped on the. Um, there's a Kickstarter going on right now. It probably has like a week left for the Resident Evil Three, the board game, which uh, I'm very excited because I've got the Resident Evil Two board game. But now I'm going to get that uh, the third one as well. But you're right. I even have a few over there. I've got The Thing. I've got Reanimator. Uh, the other night we played uh, It. It's called Evil Below, where it's a cooperative <laughs> game where you're all trying to stop Pennywise. Ton of fun. But yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to our next number 76 from 1986, David Cronenberg's The Fly. <sighs> the Fly. Yes. Uh, be afraid. Be very afraid. We figured that yeah. out a couple of weeks ago <laughs> when we couldn't remember what the where that tagline came from. Um, um, yeah. The Fly is a fucking nightmare of a movie. And it's still... It's David Cronenberg's body horror taken to the next level. It's turned all the yeah. way up to 11. It, there is imagery in this movie that once you see, you can never unsee. And you yeah, know, for you've, sure. got, you've got Goldblum, who is, I think, fantastic in this. He really, I, especially. I was going to ask: Is this his best movie? Like, is this one of them? I would yeah, say one for, of them. I don't know. I'd have to think about that for a little bit because I, I just adore the man. I think he's wonderful in everything. <laughs> but this is definitely top tier when it comes to his performances, especially those scenes where he's got to do that real twitchy, you know, once he's starting to become the fly and his eyes yeah. are twitching and his head's twitching around looking just like a fly. Brindlefly, Brindlefly, Brindlefly. Oh, we got to <laughs> do this. Brindlefly. Um, he, he does such an amazing job. And then you've got Gina Davis opposite him, who is also really good in this. You know, she she loves him. That whole scene though, yeah. where she has the nightmare about being pregnant, and the <laughs> they they bring out that little like larva yeah. thing. She gives birth to it. Um, but also but, the 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 opening, like his his. So this is a story that well, it it was made in the fifties uh, once. Like this is a remake. We we gotta say this. Yeah. And um, is it? That um, this really brought this this whole plot of uh, uh, like the teleporter where there's two people in there and they are getting mixed up, like not two people, but one person and something else. Like that's a plot that we get a lot. And I think it's mostly thanks to this movie, not the original, because no, the original wasn't as well seen like this. Yeah. was the original is yeah. good. You know, we talked about it when we did the whole episode about because uh, the original was William Castle, right? Uh, no, no, but it was Vincent Price, and we talked about Vincent Maybe Price. Maybe we did it I on think. a Vincent Price episode. It wasn't. Who did the original? Uh, I, what, I think you, it was not Castle because I can't remember any gimmick uh, to it, which there might not have been. So the fly, uh, Kurt Newman. Okay, nineteen fifty-eight. Yeah, yeah yes, it's yes. and the original one. You know, you get some silly shit in there, like when the flies in the thing in the spider web. Help me. <laughs> help me um but in this one it is all 
just straight horror and body horror. Yeah. Sci-fi um, horror. Good sci-fi <laughs> horror. Because yeah, you yeah. have the the teleportation piece of it and he slowly you watch this slow transformation. It's not an American werewolf where you see the transformation in 45 seconds and it's super cool. This transformation yeah. takes place over the entire movie because you see him actually embracing it like look at me, I can stick on the ceiling and all this stuff. Yeah, uh, because first he's like Spider-Man, he just gets like superpowers and like he he yeah. can walk on the uh, on the uh, on the walls, he can uh well, he's super strong, I think, like or yeah, at least yeah. stronger. And but then he slowly starts to deteriorate because yeah the the fly is catching up to him I guess uh, when he and throws up on his food <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> so gross uh, that's that's still a scene like I remember like I have seen this movie once and that was on a movie night when I like, was like fourteen <laughs> yeah and I still remember so much about this movie and especially um, that scene uh, where he uh, either where he uh, uh, pukes on his food or when he pukes on that guy and melts him uh, in one of those scenes one friend at the movie night had to go out because he couldn't stand it anymore and uh, w went out the room and just like waited for it to be over yeah it's gross and it's it's really gross this entire really movie is. is just it's cronenberg doing cronenberg stuff it's you know <laughs> The man was notorious for it, pushing boundaries and figuring out the way to do the grossest things he could to the human body. But does yeah. it need to be on this list? Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. The fly. The fly yeah. for sure. All right. So let's go on to another one that I feel deserves to be on this list and is still, in my mind, uh, one of the most uncomfortable movies I've ever seen. And yeah. it's so uncomfortable because it is, you know, loosely based on real things that had happened. These two guys, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole, uh, were true monsters. Nobody knows exactly how many people they killed. I think they admitted up to like 300 plus people. They would just kill hookers on the side of the road. They would run people over with their cars. But Henry, portrait of a serial killer from 86. Um, this movie, man, it's... When's the last time you watched Henry? Uh... About a year ago, and it was actually the first time I watched it because it's banned over here and I had a hard time even finding it. And I mean, I can tell you the exact date, but it was about a year ago, I'd say, maybe maybe one and a half. Okay. So you had seen it just recently. So coming kind of fresh off of it, what uh, what were your thoughts the first? Because I remember the first time watching Henry, but what were your... Uh, what were your thoughts on Henry Portrait? And Michael Roker, we should say, just does... Uh, Michael Roker one is... Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. Um, oh, what what were my initial thoughts? Um, I gotta say, I was almost a bit disappointed because it was banned over here. I heard so much good things about it, and then I watched it, and there there is some uh, extremely uh, fucked up. There are some extremely fucked up things in there, but there's also like lots of points where not really much is happening, and. I was actually, from what I've heard, I was expecting like almost like a Serbian film or something like that, like it going completely bonkers. So uh, I, I think my uh, expectations were not reached. But, Your expectations uh, were pretty high, I would yeah, say. Because this one, <laughs> I mean, just with this one, you know, it was a big release. It was a, it was a big release. And for me, though, that's where I think this is almost creepier than... A Serbian film, because a Serbian film is so outlandish, it's it's almost cartoonish. 
yeah. in, in its execution. It's like, let me show you this most crazy fucking thing you've ever seen. But I would never believe that would happen. Henry, the one scene that always gets me is when you see this uh, brutal, you know, home invasion, rape, murder happening right in front of you. And then it pulls out and you see that it's just Henry and Otis watching it on TV. They had filmed it and they're rewatching yeah. it. To me, that's terrifying. Like, because yeah. that could really happen. You have, you know, when you, when you like Dahmer and, and these guys and Gacy and these guys and, and you hear about these stories of people keeping little trophies, you know, whatever it may yeah. be, them keeping these things. And I think the, the real world aspect of this is, again, what freaks me out about it because these guys are living normal lives for the most part. Sure, they're fucked up and they, they do some weird stuff, but they've got the girl and they're all just hanging out, drinking beers. Yeah. You know, Otis tries to force himself on her. Henry defends her in a way, yeah. like stops him from doing this thing. It's this and and the fact that these guys were real people, I think yeah. is what, what gets under my skin is, yeah. is and they really did this shit. Yeah, and that's what the movie also does kind of great is that it shows that they are... Like, for the most part, even today, most horror movies, the bad guy is just a bad guy all throughout. And in this, like, they are bad guys, but they're also, like, humans. And it, it's it's even more than any other of the movies. It's almost like he could be any of, of us. Like, he's he could blend in and be just another normal guy. Right. Which is how and, a lot of serial killers are once they finally yeah. catch up with them. You know, all of your big ones, all of the huge ones that everybody talks about all the time, people say, I never would have guessed. I never would have known. Outside of Dahmer, I think even some people were like, yeah, he was a fucking weirdo. <laughs> like, that guy was, he was bizarre. He was strange, but he still was able to blend into the world. Whereas with the Serbian film, like, that's never going to blend in to the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's just not going to happen. Salo is so removed, you can almost remove yourself from it because it all happens in this isolated manner you know off somewhere yeah. else uh august, so, somewhere in italy <laughs> right august underground you know it's so extreme when we when we hear this stuff about these these serial killers like a ted bundy most of the time you know the stuff happened relatively quickly they would they would do the kill and it would be over it's not like they were you know smearing human feces into open wounds and things like that so it, yeah. it's easier to remove yourself from that stuff for as with this I don't know. You, it just feels so real world. Like this yeah. could this could actually be happening. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it still freaks me out. Still and freaks it, me it out. It is a good movie, and especially yeah, uh, Michael Rooker. He's he's amazing in this. Oh, he's like, so good. This is, I think, his best performance. He just says, maybe I don't know. I really liked him in Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought he was. Yeah, but uh, that's that's a different kind of performance. Right. I think like for, for this one, I hope at least for Henry, he had to change, and. I think in Guardians, um, it's it's kind of he he plays that character a lot, like the the kind of kind of asshole, but in the end lovable kind of guy. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So let's move on to the year of 1987. Our last three are all from 1987, and the first yeah, one up is the other one this week that was new to me. Um, and to boy, me as oh well, boy, yeah. boy, oh boy, am I glad I watched this movie. It yeah. is, I, <laughs> what I call it a horror movie? I don't know. I, there's a lot of demons and stuff like that. There's a lot of, so yes, it's a yeah. horror movie, but there's so much comedy in this movie <laughs> that it it's hard not to just um, laugh throughout so much of it. 
But it is such a good time. I just had a good time with this. Yeah, it, this is like a completely fun. It's it's almost more of a romance than it is a is a horror. Yeah, but uh, it's 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 <laughs> we, we Chinese, should say what it yeah, is. Yeah, a Chinese <laughs> ghost story from 1987. A Chinese yeah. ghost story is the title. And yeah. you've you've got this guy. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it really is a Chinese ghost story. You've got this guy who is a debt collector of sorts, but very bad at his job. Like yeah. everyone's just like, shut the fuck up and get out of here, stupid. Like I don't even want to see you right now. Um, so he ends up not he ends up not collecting enough of the debts, if I remember right. He ends up not collecting enough of the debts, and he has to go find a place to sleep, and he finds this old temple. And yeah. there's this beautiful woman that he comes across in the temple. And then we learn um, that she's a ghost. And she can only be out, if sunlight hits her, she goes away. She can only be out at nighttime. That's the big thing. Yeah. She can only well, she can only be there at night. Well, we, we kind of find out that she's a ghost. Like, Well, our main character finds it out way later than we do. Uh, but uh, yeah, she is... I, I love the, the whole thing they, they did where she's like got these kind of powers that are that are really fun to look at like she's i every time she jumps like there's just like a white cloth flying through the air and it's like right. it's it's her flying and she she has like uh this this uh a super breath that can like uh f let a snake fly up to a tree uh, <laughs> right. a tree and she and uh, it's the special effects are really fun. Like, it's, oh, the special um, effects were great. I loved that whole sequence where the three of them. This was closer to the end, but where the three of them are fighting the tree demon, <laughs> and you've got like the weird. They were almost like they looked like alligator heads in a way, like these huge things coming out, rah, 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 coming yeah. after these people. And then that effect right at the end was so cool when the demon thing all kind of opened up and all the heads were in there and all these people <laughs> just came shooting out of this thing. Um, <laughs> The effects were the effects were great. The effects were a ton of fun. The I had sent you a message right after I had watched it. I said, "Holy shit! I can't wait for you to watch this." There's this one scene in particular that I was just laughing hysterically, and so our our protagonist meets up with a drifter type character who's a great swordsman, and yeah. he agrees that he's going to help him out. Um, you know, to to save her. They were going to save her, destroy the tree demon at the same time because we learn that she's almost an enslaved ghost. And yeah. she she's going to be married off to this uh, demon monster. She's going to become yeah. this thing's bride. And so we have this other guy who's going to help out along the way. But out of nowhere, we get this sequence that probably lasts a good, like, solid minute of him just, I don't know, like doing hip hop kung fu out in the, <laughs> out on this, uh, this abandoned road where he's like, hoo, ha, hoo, hoo, ha. And he's doing all this stuff and you have kind of this real upbeat music in the background. Yeah. For, for really no reason. And I just absolutely <laughs> love that. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I love it. I, I don't care why this is happening. I'm just glad. It reminded me of like Evil Dead versus um, Shaolin. I think it's Evil Dead versus Shaolin. <laughs> where you have kind of monsters and 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 kung fu and things like that at the same time, but this movie is just it's a it's such a fun movie. It's just fun. yeah. And I actually while watching it, like right from the very beginning, I had this feeling, and I looked it up, and I'm it made me even more surprised that Evil Dead Two is from the same year, because I feel like those movies had to have influenced each other in some way because they are so. There's so like it's a totally different story, but in so many ways these movies like Evil Dead Two and a Chinese Ghost Story are so similar 
in like the whole tone in like the the effects how how they are done like there's these stop motion um yeah. uh, skeletons that are running around and like there there's so many uh, things in the chinese ghost story that reminded me of evil dead 2 um also like we we get the they probably got that from the first evil dead movie because there's these uh, pov shots of the ghosts right. that are like running through the woods that looks exactly like it was out of evil dead and um so i like this, when you just said at the beginning that you're not even sure if it's a horror movie because of all the comedy, I feel like the comedy is pretty close to Evil Dead 2 as well. Like there's always these quippy one-liners and I like that the the main character is kind of talking shit every now and then. Like just, just right. uh, like when at, at the very beginning when there's uh, when, when he first meets that, that swordsman in the woods and he's standing very close to him looking looking bad at uh, uh, talk, uh saying to him like he should leave and and stuff like that and the guy just says are you always standing this close to uh, to <laughs> right. people when you talk to them and i i didn't get the full answer but the guy then said something about uh, yeah it it fears them because he had has bad, bad breath right. and i was like is this really what he said or is this like a weird translation because a bad translation <laughs> but i feel like it had to have been close to what he was really saying because there are so many comedy elements in this thing yeah. through, throughout it's it's entirety there's so much comedy it is one that I am sure I'm going to go back to at some point. I'm so excited I came across this movie because I'd never yeah. heard of it. I yeah. never heard of it, and I was just thrilled to actually find it. And it's just, it's a blast. And you're right. If you like Evil Dead 2, I think you could you could thoroughly enjoy this movie. You'll yeah, walk, for sure. You'll walk away from it uh, very happy. So Chinese Ghost Story, definitely recommend. Check that out. Yeah, uh, it's kind of, um, uh, just wanted to add one more thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it it kind of also reminded me of Hausu, the uh, I think Japanese ghost house yeah. movie, where it's just like completely silly. But this one is a bit more has a bit more of a coherent plot that you can follow right away. Right, because Hausu does not really have the the strongest plot, but it's yeah, so much but, fun. <laughs> yeah, and this this is in a similar way. Way this is like. So just so much fun that even though not everything makes complete sense if you think about it because it's it's just a weird movie and it works and yeah uh, yeah I I really uh, enjoyed it and I'd recommend it as well and it's one that I have to buy at some point like I have to see if I can find a Blu-ray yeah because the the version that I watched it was online and the quality wasn't the highest I would like to find mm. like you said a good Blu-ray. A real yeah. good transfer if somebody's got one, if if they've ever put it out that way. I'd love to see a real high-quality version of this because, like you said, the effects, the lighting, it's really well shot. Everything about it is, um, it's all there, man. It's all there to have yeah. a really good time. Um, okay, so two more left. And first up, we have a movie that is not a comedy at all. Uh, <laughs> there's not a single comedic element in this thing, and that is 1987's Hellraiser. Uh Based on the book by Clive Barker, um, Pinhead is a, without a doubt in my mind, a horror icon. Yeah, He is one that people, even if they don't know to call him Pinhead, they, they've they seen that image most likely. It's, it's a yeah. very, very famous image. And, man. and he's not he's not even like a big character in the movie. Like he, he's not mm. even the big bad guy. Like. I think he, he doesn't, he doesn't do really get it. No, movie. he doesn't really get his footing until like parts two and three, where you start to see him all the time and see so many yeah. more of the the Cenobites. In this one, you've got Frank, who we spend a lot of the time with, who is super gross when he's sitting there, you know, no skin on, uh, just dripping with blood, smoking his cigarettes. 
It's um this this movie. Um this movie really fucked me up when I was a kid. I remember watching it and the, you know the when the puzzle box will open up and the chains come flying out and grab onto yeah. people and just like ah it's just nasty and Pinhead is a truly vile villain. He's yeah. one of those ones. He does get into some kind of quippy one-liner stuff later on in the series, and there's a lot of bad movies in this series. You know, there's <laughs> more, stuff that's many more than good one, right? I just, and, and, uh, go ahead. I'm I'm, I'm always uh, joining the the horror quiz on on Facebook by uh, the Devil Times Five podcast, and I I learned through them that uh, one of one of the sequels of Hellraiser is just called Deader, which yeah. is like like they didn't even put. Usually, they at least put some work into the title. Mm. Of, of the of the sequels but here hellraiser Deader, which is yeah. like <laughs> yeah you had bloodline debtor i'm trying to think of the most recent one that i watched i can't remember the the it wasn't even very good though either it wasn't yeah. it actually wasn't very good at all but judgment um, is that the last one was, yeah you're right judgment yeah. was the last one Inferno, Hellworld, Revelations. It's such generic titles. Yeah, I think Revelations was the one where they were in space, or Bloodline they were in space. <laughs> I want to oh, say Bloodline God. Bloodline was space, and maybe Bloodline was space, and you had like the whole spaceship turned into a giant puzzle box. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, shit. I've just, only seen the first two, and... Uh, I, I think of what I've heard, they're also the best. Like Yeah, three the, isn't three isn't bad. Hell on Earth has its moments that I enjoy, and especially you get some of the more iconic Cenobites uh show up in the in the third one. But the first two are really the the best of this entire series. And the first one, you know, it gave us Pinhead. And it gave <laughs> us a truly dark look at, you know, the idea of hell and things like that. And this this puzzle box, you know, you figure out this this key that opens up this this awful underworld. I enjoy the first Hellraiser, but this whole series has never been one that really clicked for me. It, it, and that's nothing against the series. I think it's really good. I know people who this is their favorite horror series of all time. They absolutely <laughs> love they love Hellraiser. They love this world and being in this universe. But for me, it was just never. I don't know. Pinhead just never really never really did it for me. I guess. And, but that's not to say it's not a good movie. Yeah, it it really is uh, a good movie, and um, it's also uh, it's it's kind of interesting because this has like its subtext written uh, on its sleeve, basically. Like uh, th this is what where the subtext like it's it's about uh, BDSM and uh, oh sure uh, pain pain is pleasure. Like that's what they're talking about. In the movie. Yeah, all kinds of masochistic stuff. It's. Uh, yeah, it it really is, and and that's Pinhead's big thing. And even the way the the characters are designed, you know, with the tight like leather spandexy yeah. <laughs> looking looking outfits, and um, you know, like yeah. uh, rings and things pierced all throughout their bodies. Yeah, yeah. but uh, to talk about the movie because yeah, we we talked about Pinhead a lot, but yeah, he's he's basically he's not doing anything in this movie. He's appearing twice and saying something. Yeah, but this movie is has actually a different villain it's uh i think his name is frank frank yeah frank who uh who opened the puzzle box and then was like uh, killed in his room and then his brother and daughter and his ex-wife is she with them as well or no it's the brother's wife right the like, brother's wife but she was she was unfaithful yeah. 
Yeah, okay. And she was. got yeah. into him, and uh, they they had uh, they had sex before, and uh, then someone spills blood in one of the rooms, and that drop of blood is enough to uh, right <laughs> to rebuild Frank at least a little bit. I think and they then, somebody cuts their hand on like a nail or something like that. Yeah, and the blood just falls. Yeah, it's not purposeful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's by, uh, by accident, and yeah, then Frank comes back, and the 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 wife uh, tries to bring him back fully by uh, luring uh, guys into the room and then killing them. And uh, once they are dead, like he gets the parts the of the body. The blood from them, yeah. And he slowly starts to... And it's really visually disgusting. Yeah. As he, as he slowly, you know, becomes whole again. And even when him and her are kissing, when he's all bloody face. <laughs> yeah. Fucking gross. And... Um, um, uh, what else was I gonna say? Uh, oh yeah, this is uh, directed by Clive Barker, based on the book by Clive Barker, which is right. also interesting. We had it before with Maximum Overdrive, <laughs> where the where direct uh, where a writer of a book actually um, made a movie out of it. Because usually, sometimes like we have Christopher Nolan who writes the screenplay or Quentin Tarantino, but that's a screenplay. But here it's a book written, and then the author who wrote a good book made a movie out of it, which is uh, interesting. Which he made a good movie. And, yeah. and, you know, he made a good movie out of it. Yeah, because Frank was his brother, the the people that move in. And I think she had been having an affair with him. Yeah. Is what it was. Yeah. And then he comes back and, yeah, all hell breaks loose. Like That's why she it's had called. an affair with him before he died. And then he died and she, uh, and then he was brought back accidentally and she was still in love with him. And that's why, yeah. Right. Why they and keep bringing him, she brings him the blood sacrifices. Yeah, exactly. And that's the plot of the movie. Like, Pinhead is there at the beginning, I think, to kill Frank. Like, he comes in and says, like, okay, you opened the box. Now he has all these hooks in you. And he's right. uh, torn into pieces. And then he comes back in the end and, like... Uh, uh, and those pieces are gross. Like, you get a whole face ripped right off. Like, you know, yeah. an eyeball piece over here, mouthpiece over there. It's just nasty. But it's yeah. a um, it's it's a great horror movie and one that I think deserves to be on the list. It brought us one of... The horror icons, you know, one of the most yeah. well-known horror icons of all time. And it's just, uh, it's super it's gross and vile. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And it, it was bent over here for a long time, by the way. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Um, so let's get to the last one for this week. Um, the final movie on the list. I'm trying to look back through these 10. It might be my favorite on this list of these 10. <laughs> it would be a toss-up between this and A Nightmare on Elm Street. And that is yeah. uh, 1987's Evil Dead 2, directed, <laughs> by, directed by Sam Raimi, who Evil Dead 2, you know, there's always been that, like, is it a remake? Is it a sequel? Whatever. What is it? And you go back looking through the troubles they ran into while making these movies is by the time they were going to make this, they didn't have the rights to the first one anymore. <laughs> and then by the time they were going to make Army of Darkness, they didn't have all the rights to this one or the first one anymore. And so yeah. it is kind of a a remake, sequel of sorts, whatever you want to call it. It's fucking awesome. It really is. Like it's, it yeah. It's it's the the first one was like just like a good horror movie made by Sam Raimi and his friends, basically on no budget. And uh, then this one, they had the budget, and he could finally make what he wanted to make. And yeah, the the. The beginning of the movie is basically the, a remake of the first one. And after that, it gets into a sequel where it goes just like 
crazier and crazier right. and just off the walls, bad shit insane and <laughs> in the best way possible. Yeah. And, and this gave us um the best the the best leading man with uh Ash sure. Ashley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh Bruce Campbell. He's just amazing. Ash Williams. I love Bruce baby. Campbell. Ash Williams. Who doesn't love Bruce Campbell? Um, I had the, the great opportunity to go watch this and after see a Q and a with Bruce Campbell, that was just, he is everything in person that you imagine he would be as far as being on the stage. He just has like this huge personality, this, you know, just dripping charisma. The guy is just somebody who's just, he's got to figure it out. He's so comfortable who he is. And as a physical actor in this movie, he just shines. He shines. And I want to say when they, at one point, when he was talking, when I had seen him speak, he talked about how he had done that trick where he could grab himself by the head and flip himself (laughs) over and land on his back. (laughs) And how that, somebody had seen him do it once and Sam's like, yeah, 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 do that in the movie. Like, that'll be really good. I want to see you do that. And then you've got the sequence with him. I love that scene where his hand is alive and it's pulling him across the kitchen. And he starts grabbing the plates, you know, and he's smashing them in his own head. I mean, to be able to fight your own hand like that, that yeah. it, it really does take something special. Yeah, I think like this is maybe some of the best physical comedy out there is when he's fighting his own hand. Yeah. Because there are so many great special effects in that movie. But like I, I still can't wrap my head head around how you actually feel like that hand hand is evil. Right. Yeah, like, you feel like it's alive yeah. and has a, a an an, an and, identity of its own. Yeah, and that's no special effects. That's just Bruce Campbell acting. And that's something you got to be able to do that. Like, I couldn't do that. Just like fighting my own hand. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and he does it so well. And you mentioned the effects. You know, you talked about that scene in Poltergeist where the the tables or the chairs get all stacked up in the kitchen. The sequence in this where that whole room comes alive. Where the clock is going, the the head on the wall is going, all the books on the bookshelf are shaking at the same time. The lamp is going nuts, and you have all this, ah, ha, 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 and then everything just stops all at once. That is such a masterfully executed sequence, and you've got Bruce Campbell the whole time, you know, so expressive with his face and able to just sell you on this idea of he's like truly going chaotic. And this is like you said, the first one is much more of a horror movie. Whereas this one is so much more comedy. And Raimi's always said, you know, such a big fan, the Three Stooges, slapstick comedy. He loves that stuff, and you see that all throughout this entire movie. And I love the, dead by dawn, dead by dawn. You know, you got, uh, what's her name down there? Helen? Is it Helen? Uh, Is down in the... I think so, yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm looking it up right now. But uh, yeah, the the girl in the... Who who then turned just completely evil. Yeah, and this one also holds a very special place in my heart uh, because they're all from Michigan. They're all from my home state. And oh. They were, you know, all from Henrietta is what it was. Henrietta, was down yeah. In the, yeah, was down in the basement. Death by dawn, death by dawn. Um, and then you get the guy, uh, you know, you get that great scene with the eyeball that flies out and lands in somebody's <laughs> mouth. And you can see the little wire that it's on and stuff like that. It was just a bunch of people having a great time. And Bruce even said, though, that like a lot of those shotgun blasts, those were real shells in there. They were like, hey, just make sure nobody's in the way because they didn't have money to do like, you know, prop blanks and things like that. Just make sure nobody's in the way. We're going to shoot out this window really quick. And of course, you get the iconic chainsaw on the hand, which is just yeah, I, 
I totally forgot about that. Talking about all, all of this, yeah, he fucking saws his own hand off and then puts <laughs> a puts a shotgun on a, a saw on it, and then yeah. with the, with that chainsaw he cuts off the uh, the shotgun to have a, a right. better shotgun, <laughs> right? To have that sawed off shotgun. He um he he is so amazing in this movie. The movie itself is just unbelievably good. It's it's yeah, and it's still you know I my fear is that we're gonna get you know 20, 30 years from now. All of these movies where they use so much of this early CGI is just not going to hold up. You're yeah. going to watch it and feel very... It's going to be an immediate disassociation. Like, I know it's that's al- not real. Resident it's Evil already Dead, with movies from the from uh, the early 2000s where they started doing special effects. And now you can't almost can't watch it because it looks, uh, it looks silly. Right. Whereas with yeah. this, it'll never get old because everything yeah. was tangible. It was all really there. You know, when they're yeah. flying around in the, um, when, I can't remember his name, but the, the other guy that shows up, the blonde guy, when he's flying through the air with his arms out, ah, <laughs> and he's yeah. taken off through the air. Um, and you get that amazing final sequence where you get, you know, the, the evil coming in through the front door and you have this <laughs> giant, whatever it is, deadite, you know, creature head. <laughs> and then we see Ash get sucked through and sets us up for, Army of Darkness, which we which we will get a few years later on, but this movie yeah. is um, and you had mentioned it earlier with uh, Chinese Ghost Story, that POV shot of the monster, <laughs> you know, tearing through the woods and then smashes through the front door, goes yeah. through the back door, blows that off, chasing ash all around the house. It oh, was that shot was amazing. Yeah, this whole movie's amazing. That <laughs> is true. Yeah, I think. Uh, looking looking at the list, um, I think this is my favorite ten so far. Like this is, other than the Beyond, I would rewatch each of those in a minute. Like I, I was thinking every time we talked about one of these movies, I was like, I need to rewatch this. I need to rewatch this with with every of the movies, even Chinese Ghost Story, which I just watched. I'd, yeah, I'd like I to have a, a good Blu-ray and rewatch it again right away. Now, did you mean the Beyond or the Hunger? Uh, the Hunger. Okay. Did I say the Beyond? Uh, yeah, you said the Beyond, and yeah. I was like, "Wait, what?" That no, doesn't make any hunger, sense. Yeah, yeah. And even I, the Hunger, I, I, I think I could rewatch. Like, it's not a bad movie. It's just, uh, but with, with all the others, with all the others, I actually thought like, oh, I, I just want to watch it again right now. Yeah, I don't like, think I would watch. I don't think I would watch the Hunger again. <laughs> I really don't think I would. But it is what it is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's it. That's our ten for this week. Um, definitely yes. some good stuff on there. I'm kind of looking forward right now to uh, the next round, which you've got some really cool shit on there as well. I'm I'm so excited. There's one movie that I'm so fucking excited about because that's a movie is not talked about much, and I'm so glad it's on this list. Uh, I think I know which one you might be talking. About. Actually, there's two I could say that um, I think you might be you could be referencing. But for everyone listening, you'll have to wait. You'll have to wait until yeah. we get into those next ten. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us, ihohpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on any social media platform. And it's uh, on all of those. It is at ihohpodcast. And if you want to jump onto Apple Podcasts, leave a rate and review, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. We just like hearing what people think of the show for doing a good job, bad job, all that stuff in between. Um, so that is it, man. So for the International House of Horrors podcast, I have been Joe Merle. And I've been Josh. And we'll be back next week with more things terrible, horrible, brutal, bloody, gory, and the macabre.